episode 46 with Tony Wintrip, the elk singer. Here we go. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 46. This is Jim Huntsman, your host of the Western Huntsman Podcast, coming at you from the Broken Times studio in Hayden, Idaho. You know it, and I know it. How you guys doing? This is a uh, going to be a really good episode this week. Uh, really looking forward to having, having you guys hear this one. I've got uh, a buddy of mine named Tony Wintrip, and uh, he's known on uh, on Instagram at uh, the Elk Singer. And so Tony is a musician. He's a country singer. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's a he's a big time hunter. And when I say big time hunter, this dude shoots bulls with drop tines. He shoots Rockies. He shoots Roosevelt. He's gotten blacktail. He's a mule deer hunter. He's a whitetail hunter. All these things. He's a, he's a prolific hunter, and he's found this really cool niche in a way to uh, kind of mix the two uh, passions that he has between music and uh, and hunting into this this kind of his own genre of of music and it's really cool he plays us a couple songs it's one of my favorite conversations we've had we had a lot of fun we had a lot of uh, really good banner back and forth and i think you guys are going to really like it so that is coming up shortly and uh sweetly i got a trivia question for you though before we get to it and the trivia question this week is going to be in relation to why hunting is conservation. And if you're like a member of the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, they have they'll send you all this stuff. And, and one of their slogans is "Hunting is conf- conservation." And why is hunting conservation? And, and I, I want people to kind of pay attention to this. Why is hunting conservation? I was on a podcast a few weeks ago. And uh, it was a buddy of mine, Derek's podcast, the Primal King podcast, where he had me on a show, and he's he's asking me, why is hunting conservation? And I was all fired up about wolves and talking about this and that, and I, I gave him this super long answer about how, you know, if we don't control wolf, wolf populations through hunting, they're going to, uh, you know, basically kill off their prey base, and then they suffer, and blah, blah, blah. It was a really complicated answer. It doesn't need to be that complicated. You need to know how to simplify that answer when you come across some of these anti-hunting folks out there that, uh, you know, want, want to argue about it. So why is hunting conservation? So the trivia question this week is, how many white-tailed deer were there in the year 1900, right around the turn of the century? You had Teddy Roosevelt, uh, and, and, and all these things were taking place at the turn of the century in 1900. How many white-tailed were there then? Versus how many white-tailed deer are estimated in the year 2020? And by looking at that number and looking look at those comparisons, it's going to explain to you, if, if you're researching this, why those numbers have dramatically increased and it's a really cool story 
So, and, and it, it will give you a lot of insight as to why hunting is conservation. And so that's the trivia question. How many deer were there in uh, the, or I'm sorry, North America? Actually, no, let's stick with North America. How many white-tailed deer were there in North America in the year 1900? And how many deer are there today? November 2020. Write your answers into me at jim at thewesternhuntsman.com and I will file all those away and we're going to put it all into the pool. I'm going to give away a t-shirt and uh, maybe maybe something else, maybe a sticker or something like that. I'll, I'll figure out something. Uh, it's all on the website too, by the way. And you could, you could pick out, if you're the winner, you could pick out which t-shirt you want and um, write into me at jim at thewesternhuntsman.com. How many white-tailed deer were there in North America in the year 1900 and how many white-tailed deer are said to be estimated uh, today in 2020? So that is the, the question. And that, that ties into uh, if you guys do want to support the show, uh, and, and check out some of the swag items we got. Uh, I have been trying to figure this store thing out for a long time. I finally got something that's, that's kind of working. We're still working on making it better. Uh, but I've got some really cool shirts. Uh, some of them, they just say the Western Huntsman. Others say, uh, there's one, we've got a primal shirt, uh, that's been fairly popular. I've only got like 20 of those left. So if you like that primal shirt, it says primal AF, um, you can guess what that means. So it's got the logo on the sleeve, and it's been really popular. So if you want one of those, I don't know if I'm going to do another run yet uh, uh, of those ones. So check that one out. Um, the hats are there, all that kind of stuff. Guys, I, I want you to know, I don't, I hardly make any money off of that kind of thing. It, what it does is it costs me uh, a certain amount of money to have the shirt made, and then the, uh, the, the to get it shipped and and to get it, uh, you know, in stock and all this stuff. I end up making like three or four bucks on these dang things. And that's cool because it goes towards back into the podcast because the podcast, I have like four or five different monthly costs to have it live and out there and on the airwaves and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, I, all the gear that it caught takes to, to run this thing. So, um, I, it's, it's totally up to you, but if, if you want to support the show, it uh, sure helps me justify doing a podcast, uh, to my wife. <laughs> so if it could just pay for itself, that'd be great. Okay. Let's shift gears for just a sec. I want to talk about last week's episode because it was a, it was a pretty hot topic. And if you listened to that last week's episode, uh, I had Bill and Dirk Durham, uh, from North Idaho whitetails forever, or I'm sorry, Northern Idaho whitetails forever on the show. And we were talking about what uh, that association's belief systems are in terms of conservation for whitetail deer. And that's kind of what ties into our trivia question for this week. And it, it's, it wasn't like a contentious discussion from our end. But what I found is we put it out and I got some uh, interesting comments back. I, I got some emails and a couple of uh, messages through social media discussing, you know, um, the, their disdain or, or, uh, discomfort <laughs> regarding some of the rule changes suggested through Northern Idaho whitetails forever. And, and, you know, so cutting some of the hunting season short and, and I, what I want to address with that guys is instead of sending me those emails, get involved with the association and bring your points to the table because sending me a message about it, does nothing. All I am is a vehicle to get this information out for these different associations and organizations and people and uh, individuals. All I am is a vessel to get this information out and get it in front of people. I agree with most of what they say and what they do. Um, there's a couple things that are, I think, can be picked apart 
uh, only for the sense of of my personal opinion on the whitetail situation, and this is something that I did not explain in last week's episode, and I want to clarify it really quick, okay? Because the the thing that 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 people might not understand is well, I think people do. I think you all understand that when you're talking about deer conservation and wildlife management and all these things, there's not like a one size fits all to every situation. So let me give you an example. I had one guy write in that was really upset that we were talking about uh, the desire to get rid of the uh, whitetail doe tags, the extra tag in, in Idaho. So I want to explain that for a minute because we have to break it down first per species. And then like what I call a subspecies of whitetail deer and what I mean by that is this, mule deer. Uh, mule deer are already having a, a, a fairly tough time. Their migration patterns are much greater than a white-tailed deer. Their habitat is different than a white-tailed deer. Their uh, behaviors are much different than a white-tailed deer. Mule deer and white-tailed deer cannot be kind of roped into the same arena. And so when we're talking along those lines, personally, again, these are my personal opinions, and I'm not a biologist or a a scientist or anything, but uh, I am, I do geek out with this stuff. Mule deer, uh, I don't believe you should have a mule deer doe tag in most areas of the country. That's that's my personal opinion. Mule deer have a tough enough time. Uh, We need those breeding does, and the mule deer need those breeding does. And mule deer need to be very closely monitored over the next uh, decade or so because of some of the challenges that we've been facing with mule deer. And a lot of that has to do with whitetail encroachment into mule deer habitat and things like that. So that's my opinion. Now, I grew up in an area where it was only mule deer. There, there, we didn't have whitetails where I grew up. And so it was super taboo to shoot a doe in general. And, and, and that leads to uh, let's talk about whitetail for a minute. Again, personal opinion. I could care less if you have uh, a deer tag and you want to shoot a doe. I don't care if it's a whitetail. I do care if it's a mule deer. Don't shoot mule deer doe. That's that's again that's my opinion. Uh, whitetail does. They taste good. Uh, it's great meat. I have no problem with people filling their tag with a doe. So let's just make that very clear right now. Now personally, I I don't shoot does, uh, and and it's just for personal reasons. My my own personal you know thought feeling in terms of what I want to pursue. It's my tag, so I can fill it how I want, and I choose not to shoot uh, does, whether whitetail or mule deer. And and that said, I have no problem with somebody shooting a doe. Okay, if you have a tag for it, it's legal. All that. I don't have any problems, so don't get all sideways with me and send me nasty emails about it. I don't care. I, I, I If you're out there and your goal is to put meat in the freezer and you shoot a doe, I, I am, I'm super proud of you because that's what we need to be doing. That's pursue what you personally feel is super important to you, and I, I respect you for it. I don't discount people that uh, choose to shoot does over meat. So don't, uh, again, just don't take that the wrong way. That's just my personal opinion on it. That's white-tailed doe. Now, that said, uh, I do feel like the the extra leftover white-tailed doe tags that sometimes are, are sold in the state of Idaho have a major impact, a negative impact on our white-tailed populations. I think that should be addressed. That ties into what I want to talk about in the difference between the two white-tailed uh, what I, what I, they're, they're not really a subspecies, but they're going to, I'm going to categorize, categorize them that way for this quick discussion in the state of Idaho and throughout the mountain West and where, where the states that have the combination of white-tailed deer and mule deer, 
my my opinion is there are two types of whitetail. You have mountain whitetail and you have agricultural whitetail. The mountain whitetail is where I think the focus from last week's discussion was centered around. So mountain whitetail are much, I mean, they're not much different, but they are different than the agricultural deer uh, that run in the low country. When you're in the high country and you're going after a whitetail, the way you pursue it is a little bit different. Not much, but it is a little bit different. They are a hardier animal. They are tougher to hunt. They will generally get a little bit bigger uh, because they, um, well, that's not true. Antler, Antler-wise, if you find a big mountain whitetail, that's a much more difficult deer to hunt than an agricultural big whitetail. Again, guys, these are personal opinions. Don't lose your, don't lose your shit over it. Okay, getting back to this. So the discussion last week was mainly centered around whitetails in the mountains, not these agricultural interface deer running uh, through the farms and the ranches and the, and the low country. And I hunt both. Just so we're clear, I hunt both of those types. I, I like to go after whitetails in the mountains, and I also like to hunt whitetail in the agricultural interface. And the whitetails in the mountains, when you see a big buck, it's much more rare to find a big mountain buck than it is down in the agricultural country because you got to consider those are the bucks that are up against a lot more predation. They deal with bears. They deal with wolves. They deal with coyotes. They deal with all these things while, while the, those, those uh, whitetail populations in the mountains – uh, that's what they're dealing with, where the agricultural deer have much less pressure, but I feel like they have a little bit higher hunting pressure, depending on whether or not uh, the, the landowner is allowing people to hunt on those properties. So they're both very pressured animals during deer season, specifically in Idaho with these long rifle seasons and long archery seasons and all, all these seasons that we have. And so I just want to address that. The conversation last week was mainly centered around the, the mountain deer. That's what we were talking about, the mountain whitetails. If you're down in the low country and the, the, the population of these agricultural deer is much greater than what they are in the mountain. And so the extra tags down there, or if you're hunting those areas down there and they don't want to change the seasons on those, I don't have any problem with that because I don't think that those deer are suffering at all. I think that, uh, and, and I can look at my own property to suggest that we have a very, very healthy population of deer. I've got hundreds of deer that come through my place. And it's, it's a great habitat uh, between my property and all my neighbor's place. We're, we're kind of at the basis of mountains. They've got the option to go up on the mountain. They've got the option to stay low. We've got agriculture around here. Uh, and and this, is, this is very rural type kind of area. All my neighbors, all of us, we all hunt our property, um, if, at least for, for one buck. So that I just wanted to address that. You, you really have to separate the mountain bucks out of the agricultural bucks, or, well, deer, deer. So I guess another way to put that is when we talk about, like in Unit 10A in Idaho, where we talk about how we have a problem with the extra doe tag, I'm not sure that I feel that way for agricultural deer in the low country. In fact, I, I would say that I firmly feel like if somebody wants to get an extra tag for the low country, these agricultural deer, those populations can easily sustain that. It's the mountain bucks that uh, I, I think that need help. They need our help. They need our conservation efforts. They need us to, to, to provide a voice for them because we're not PETA. We don't act like they have their own voice and they can you know, vote in the election and, and everything else they, these crazy freaking uh, animal rights activists uh, sometimes conjure up. So 
that's my rant with that, and that's that's kind of my stance on that. I, I hope that that clarifies some things and maybe calms a couple of you down because I got some nasty emails, <laughs> and which there's something to be said for that because, uh, you know, it means you guys are, are paying attention, you're fired up, you have your own thoughts and opinions, and, and uh, you're passionate about this stuff. And so I appreciate that. That's awesome. I want you to keep doing that, and I want you to still be passionate. And if you do disagree with me on something that we talk about on this show – Keep sending those emails that way because the conversation is good. If I feel like it's a, it's the right approach. If you're just mean and nasty, I'm not. I'm not going to respond to you. But if if uh, if if you if you have a point that you want to talk about and go further with that, feel free to send me the email. And and uh, you know don't don't hold back. I, I'm not saying that at all because I think that that conversation is healthy. And. Uh, you know, it just, again, it goes back to, I, I feel like that, that shows the level of passion that we as hunters and outdoorsmen and, and sportsmen or whatever you want to call it, um, that it's strong. The passion is strong and that's why I do what I do on this show and it's a big part of our life. And so that's, that's totally fine. Also, if you disagree with me, um, I'm cool with it, man. We could still be friends. We, we, we don't have to agree on everything. I'm not a snowflake and you're not a snowflake. We could, we can hang. And so that that said, guys, I would suggest if you are uh, if you do have those opinions and you want your voice heard with that, and instead of sending that that kind of stuff to me, that's it's really not going to go anywhere. I would recommend you get involved with an association like Northern Idaho Whitetails Forever. It's important stuff, and uh, you guys already do a great job with everything else. And and uh, I know on my show I ask you guys to get involved a lot between. You know, Foundation for Wildlife Management and Northern Idaho Whitetails Forever. Uh, I support the RMEF like crazy. I like the Mule Deer Foundation like crazy. Uh, all these, all these associations that uh, I feel are important that they actually make a positive difference for our wildlife. So that said, guys, let's get into it with Tony Wintrip. And uh, you guys are really going to like this conversation. He's a cool dude. I'm, I hope he's serious and he wants to come out and go hunting with me and let me come over there and go hunting. Uh, we, we talk a lot about uh, just his lifestyle and it's, it's unique. And uh, make sure you jump on his website after the show and check out his show, which is – or uh, not his show – his website, it's called BulldownProductions.com, and he's got all sorts of cool stuff on there from music to hats to shirts. And he's a guy that came up with the, the shirt, the T-shirt, if you've seen it around. I posted a picture wearing one, and I didn't even know it was Tony's. Um, but it says Straight out of Elk Camp, and it's one of my favorite shirts. So anyways, guys, check that out, and hope you enjoy this conversation. Let me know what you think at JimOfTheWesternHuntsman.com. Join us on Instagram, join us on Facebook, and uh, join the group. Hunting the West, the Western Huntsman, on Facebook, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. All right, today guys i'm really excited about this one i've got a buddy of mine named tony wintrip who's out in western washington who is a hunter he's an outdoorsman and he's a he's a musician which is near and dear to my heart tony how you doing brother good buddy i'm excited to excited to do this with you i know this is going to be fun man i've never had a, a, a an official episode about uh, hunting and music and all this stuff we're, we're just going to have a good conversation dude Absolutely, man. These are exciting. They're awful fun, and uh, it's good to to learn about each other. You know, everybody. I like. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you got, you've got a lot of talent. I can already tell, um, anybody that's listened to this show, especially the school of September series knows that, uh, back in the day, I, I was a musician that had a band and we played all these, uh, rowdy venues and, and had a tour bus and all sorts of stuff. And, and so this kind of thing is, uh, is, is near and dear to my heart. And I'm excited to get somebody who's who actually knows what they're doing with a guitar, and uh, and and you're a singer songwriter, and I want to kind of get a little bit of your background, and and let's start with that. Give us kind of the the bird's eye view, man. Who's Tony Wintrip? Well, uh, you know, when I first started doing music, uh, I think I was about 18 or 19 when I wrote my first song or two, basically on a cardboard box, and. Uh, I went to college. I actually went to college to play baseball and I ended up uh, taking a couple of music classes and I had my first solo actually at Centralia college in 95, I think it was. And, uh, Oh yeah. Wow. You know, all my buddies on the team were like, what, what are you doing? You know? And I'm like, I actually like music, you know? And they thought it was just some <laughs> Jesus class I was trying to pass to, so that I could, uh, get on the diamond. But anyway, uh, so, so, uh, so before you go any further, that's an interesting dynamic because you're, you're a jock and a musician and, <laughs> and like, that's exactly what it was funny, dude. I played high school ball, but would have to cut out a football practice to go do the marching band practice. And, and nobody knew like if I was this nerdy musician or this uh, cool jock and it sounds like we're uh, kind of peas in a pod with that one, man. <laughs> It, it's great, man. It's <laughs> so cool. Yeah, and, and so that that was uh, that was back in like '95, and then uh, j- yeah, just continue. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I did that. Um, I ended up uh, only playing a couple years of baseball. Then I decided it was time to go to go to work, and I had a couple of injuries in college with my shoulder and collarbone and it was just time to hang it up which was unfortunate because i love to play but uh anyway so i started to started to work and i continued to write songs and then i had my daughter in 97 i believe it was and uh i started writing songs about her and just kind of that part about being a dad and you know and then i went through a divorce which just gave me more power for songwriting and uh yeah kind of that's uh that's that's kind of a twist man like a like a taylor swift twist right there man <laughs> yeah and <laughs> anyway so you know i was kind of going backwards there for a while and uh my neighbor he got a uh, garbage route and he's doing a garbage route and he had these four songs on a cassette that i'd recorded just on a little teeny cassette player and um luck had it that uh a guy that was doing fair promotions, uh, Rod Easton, he was picking up a spare job for a backup uh, garbage truck driver. So he's driving around with my neighbor, listening to these four songs. And he's like, who is this kid? And, and my friend Dave goes, well, it's my neighbor. And he's like, I, I want his phone number. So anyway, he calls me out of the blue one day and he's like, Hey, do you want to open for Brian white? And I was like, what? I'm, you know, no I'm, kidding. Yeah. I sang in like two weddings, you know, and he goes, he goes, we want you to open for Brian White. There's going to be about 2,000 people there. And I thought, holy, yeah. Okay, okay. so, and, and if anybody, any of you youngsters out there, any, the, the the whippersnappers, Brian White was a big deal in the late 90s. 
That, yes. That's cool, man. I didn't know you opened for him. Yeah, that was a that was my first shot at uh, you know I got six songs. Here I am on this big stage, and you know there's 2,200 people there, and my biggest crowd at the time was a, a wedding with about 50. So the emotions were just <laughs> giant, you know. And and anyway, after a I got off the stage. I didn't have an album out or nothing, but I had a few songs. And these people were like, we want to hear that song. You need to record that song. And then they wanted an autograph. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Why do people want my autograph? And from then, wow, yes, went it went, uh, you know, down one of those long, cool roads, you know, meeting cool people with, you know, I opened for Clint Black, Charlie Daniels, Dirk Bentley. I mean, it just was like this road was really really good for quite some time uh, all right wait wait a minute wait, you're you're moving super fast here you you got to open for clint black yep yeah so tell it. me a little bit about that because i and, and just you know personally i i'm a huge clint black fan still am to this day and because uh clint black and you probably already know this he's a drummer too and so what was that like clint black was cool He's a one of those uh, musicians or singers, I should say, more than more than just a musician. But his vocal is the best, cleanest I've ever heard on a stage. I mean, dude, he could hit any note, man. He's yeah. he's crazy. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And so uh, it's kind of funny, you know. You you meet these people backstage before they even get into their attire, you know, for for showtime. And you can hardly uh-huh. tell who they are at times, especially like Clint Black. You never see him wearing a ball cap. He wears a cowboy hat on the stage, and he's back there walking around in like pants or sweatpants or something, and a ball cap, and super nice guy. Um, but you know, you try not to take that their time, and uh, so we talked a little bit. And um, but actually, watching his show after ours was just—we were just in awe, like wow. Yeah, he's amazing, man. I I love Clint Black. I if uh and any of you guys, you know, just that that are may, may not be country music fans like the the old school country music. We're not talking about, you know, these um whatever they are today that that play music and call themselves country, but Clint Black was like an he he was one of the original. He came out about the time that like Garth Brooks and George Strait was already out, but he was getting he was getting to that point where he was huge. And Clint Black's just he comes on with this huge vocal ability and and he's a great songwriter. Uh, One of my favorite songs that he wrote, he wrote back when he was still in high school. um, And and the name is going to totally evade me right now. But he's singing about uh, nothing's new. Nothing's news. That song. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. great song. So, so if you're like a, if you're a country music fan, you know Clint Black. Um, he he was wildly popular back in the day, and uh, I I'm just I'm I'm like a huge fan, and I love I love all types of music. Well, I don't I don't really care for rap much, but uh, I love rock and I love country, and and those are those are my two things. But I like the original country, like like what you're talking about with Clint Black and yeah. and those guys and. Uh, yeah. that's, that's super cool, dude. And that's why I didn't want to talk before we recorded this because I didn't want to get this information prior to us recording. So now I'm all excited. I didn't know you opened for Clint Black. He's one, he's one of my all time favorites. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, you know, he's amazing. Um, Charlie Daniels was, 
uh, that probably was the pinnacle for me and my band. Um, we yeah, heck yeah. In the uh, Columbia Theater in Longview, Washington. And, and we actually won this contest to be able to open for him. And it was called the Battle of the Bands. And it was for Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. And mm-hmm. we, uh, we won. So we got to open two shows for him. But just standing next to him backstage before he went on and you know, we got done and, and then he was going to go on and he, you know, he, he told me we did good. We sounded great. And I'm standing there drinking a, a Bud Light long neck bottle with this just massive beast. I mean, he's a, <laughs> he's a big dude. And uh, can you believe that we, we just lost Charlie Daniels like a month ago or yeah. maybe it was longer than a month ago, but yeah, I mean, he's iconic. Everybody knows Charlie Daniels country music fan or not. And, and so he, so he is, that's, that's a, that's a good point. He is as big as he looks in, in like the music videos and all that kind of stuff. Yes, he is. Yeah. He, he's that's a crazy. big giant. Yeah. Huh. And so that was in Longview, Washington. You opened for Charlie Daniels. Uh, were you guys doing like full sets playing for like an hour or, or what, what did that look like when you're opening for people like Charlie Daniels? Typically, the time slot was anywhere between uh, half hour, 45 minutes. Um, that was pretty standard, you know, seven or eight songs type. Uh, you're lucky to get an hour. Most of the time, it's about 40, half hour, 45 minutes. But we, so when, have, we, we opened two, since we did two shows, we might have actually had an hour. Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, I, I, I never know because... So I, I did a lot of opening shows when, when I had the band and everything, but, but nothing like Charlie Daniels level. When, when you're doing that, do, does like the Charlie Daniels band, do they provide a sound guy and take care of all your sound stuff and set everything up or, or do you still have to do all that? No, they take care of everything and it is first class. That's I'll probably bet. the coolest part. I mean, everybody, when we get done doing a sound check, you know, I had a six piece band at that time. And everybody's eyes are just wowed, you know, like the drums just sound like monsters. As you know, you know, you're a drummer, but um, when you get that yeah, kick sounding, you know, just super strong and, and the vocals clean and clear and and you're just 100% taken care of. So God, that's so <laughs> freaking cool, dude. What, what year was that for Charlie Daniels? I would say that was, gosh, don't quote me on it, but I'm going to say about oh four or oh five maybe oh three somewhere in there gotcha so that's about the time i was i was starting my band oh nice we're getting old dude we're getting old man can you believe that i just turned 40 last week (laughs) oh god i'm 46 (laughs) so i know so you got all this going on. Uh, you're you're opening for Clint Black and Charlie Daniels and and, and stuff like that. I, I want to stay on this music path for a minute, and then we'll kind of circle back to to the hunting. Uh, but where sure. where did it go from there? Um. Well, it went to recording five albums. So we recorded five CDs, um, mm-hmm. which is a lot. I wrote every song. Um, some nice. of them were good. Some of them were just kind of fillers, you know, for the albums, but, um, yeah, you know, meeting, meeting those type of people was probably, you know, 
went from Charlie. I mean, we opened for Dirks Bentley. He was probably one of my favorites. Dirks was the nicest. Was he? I mean, he yeah, oh yeah. He asked me to go onto his bus after the show, and uh, we were going to have some beers. And I had to work the next day, and he sat out there and signed autographs for an hour and a half. And I hung around, and then I'm like, I, I got to take off. You know, it was about 12 o'clock, and I had to work at like 5 in the morning. So I start driving home, and the guy from the radio station calls, and he goes, where are you? Dirks asked where he went. And I'm like, oh, no. So I missed, <laughs> a, I missed a prime opportunity to hang with him but you know i got to talk to him beforehand and he was just a super kind soul and he was new at the time where um you know he totally understood the steps it takes to to you know move to nashville or yeah. feel like you're good enough to join, join a circuit yeah he's got he's got a he's got a storied history in country music man and and the way he grew up and and went into it like that that's that's super cool uh my wife turned me down to go to a Dirks Bentley concert on our first oh. date. And, and it, so it took me like, I had to ask my wife out like four or five times and she turned me down every time. And the first time, well, no, that's not true. The first time I asked her out, I asked her, I had, I told her I had tickets to the rodeo, which I didn't have tickets to the rodeo. And so she said yes. And then I couldn't get tickets cause they were sold out. And, um, uh, then I asked her to this Dirk's, Dirk, uh, Dirk's Bentley concert, and she told me no, she wouldn't go. She's like, no, uh, I ain't going with you. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> it took like three more times I, I, I came to her with my hat in my hand, and I'm like, come on, you can go out with me. Finally, I took her out. She agreed to go out, and I took her, I took her bar hopping on our first date, and she had a, she had a great time. And so anyway – I, uh, you, you can see, I get off on a tangent, super easy, man. So you got to keep us back on, you got to get us back on track. <laughs> I like it. I think you're telling me a little more about you and, uh, yeah, she, uh, I, that probably goes back to that old saying of, you know, you should have been a cowboy. There's a story yeah, behind that one. Yeah, girl, man, for didn't, sure. Didn't want to go until she saw you had a cowboy hat on. Then she says, okay, I want to go with you now. Well, that's, and that's how I met her is, is she actually worked at one of the venues that I played at. And it was this super rowdy venue in Idaho. Back in the day, it was called Kelly's and the locals will know what I'm talking about. Kelly's. And then it, it turned to Big Al's Country Club. And it, it, it was famous because it had the biggest dance floor in the entire state of Idaho. And she, she worked at, at Big Al's Country Club. And I was one of the, the headlining bands there. And, and so, but she kept turning me down because she thought I was like this womanizing musician, which I was not, <laughs> I, I actually was not, but, but you know how it is. They, they, like these chicks are throwing their bars up or bras up on the stage and, and she think it went beyond that. And it just, it never did. I just, it just was, it was what it was. So, um, <laughs> I never got invited on somebody's bus, man. That that's super cool. You got to go like hang out on Dirk's Bentley's bus and everything. And, and uh, I just, I, I love the whole story of, of being a musician. And I, I think a lot of people don't understand the struggle and the work behind it. And, and they're like, Hey, can you play my place for exposure for no money? Uh, because they don't understand, you know, a microphone cable is a hundred bucks and, and a decent microphone is, you know, a lot more than that. And, so it's it's just an interesting thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I did not I didn't get to go on the bus because I left, but I had an invite. I wished I would have stuck around, but uh, that was the whole deal. Like, uh, you, you're supposed okay. to keep in your hip pocket and go do them, and uh, you know, yeah, once yeah. So, okay, I'm going to tell you a story I don't tell a lot of people because I'm not I'm not super proud of it. Oh, okay. I I have advice on how to get on somebody that's uh, you know big, famous, whatever on their tour bus. I'm I'm in this bar in Charlotte, North Carolina, and Rio Diamonds playing. It's this big bar. It's when I was in the service, and okay. I get I get obviously I, I I'd had one or two to ten adult beverages too many, and. <laughs> Snuck out back and I snuck on their bus after they stopped playing. And so I'm sitting there hanging out on the couch in their bus. When they showed up, they came out and they got on the bus and they're like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Jim. Let's hang out. Let's have a drink. And so the, the <laughs> band thought it was funny as hell because I, I, was, I was way too intoxicated to be hanging out with anybody. But they thought that was super funny. So they hanging out They're They're giving me a beer and, and we're all BSing. And, and all of a sudden their security guy comes on the bus and he's like, you're out of here. What are you doing on here? And the, and the band the diamond Rio, those guys are all trying, they're like protecting me, trying to keep the security guard from me. But he, <laughs> he finally grabbed a hold of me and drug me off the bus and, and they threw me off the bus. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so diamond Rio. Yeah, it was a good time. They were good dudes, man. They they were good dudes. I don't know if they wanted me on their bus or not, but anyway, I was there. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Right? So where did where did where'd you take it from there? So you're at like 2003, 2004 ish, or whatever. You're opening for Charlie Daniels and all this stuff. What what happened from there? Um. So let's see. Shortly after that. Uh, we were we were just on a good roll, playing lots of shows, and my drummer cut off three of his fingers with a skill saw. Oh no, man! So, Are you serious? Yeah, yeah. He was trying to do something with a fence in his backyard, and and he cut off three of his fingers. And um, so we just took a giant step back at that point. Everybody did, you know. We didn't really know what to do. We didn't want to go get a new drummer, you know. We we just yeah. healed him up and. You know, that was that other piece to our puzzle that, we, you know, we ride together, we die together. It was one of those deals. And, uh, yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, time went by and we just, I started, uh, going off playing my own stuff. And this is where this basically led down this, uh, this new genre that I've been doing with the hunting and fishing music. Yeah. You know, I'm like, well, if, if we can't play, everybody can't do this together, then I've got to, I got to keep playing. I got to keep pushing and, you know, moving forward with my dreams, basically. I mean, I just had a passion for writing and playing and I needed to keep going. So, um, I did. So you're one of those guys that like the, the passion never goes away for you, for, for music. And, and, and you're, you're, you're into it still today to this day. See, and I want to ask you about that because, I I lost that. I I got to the point where we were we were playing like two to five times a week. No kidding. And we were playing all over the Northwest. 
and we're, we're, we're cruising around in this bus and, and playing these venues. It was like that show that makes all the bouncers of today's age, you know, go berserk. They, they get really excited when they watch that show with Patrick Swayze, where he's a bouncer. What's that show called? Uh, Roadhouse. You're at Roadhouse. That's the one, man. Yeah. We were playing those kind of bars and like fist fights would break out and, and we just keep on playing, man. And, and, they, they, it'd be like all rowdy in the bar, especially there was a couple of places that were super, super rowdy. And one was Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Uh, actually, I was Post Falls, Idaho, which is outside of Coeur d'Alene. The other one was uh, Billings, Montana. That is a rowdy freaking town. And uh, th- there was another one in Washington down in the Tri-Cities. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it was Clarkston, Washington, not in the Tri-Cities, down in the Lewiston, Clarkston area. That was always a rowdy crowd. But the point the point I'm getting to is I I like it turned into this thing where I wasn't enjoying playing music anymore and it was cutting into my my hunting time and I I rarely got to fish anymore and and all these things that were happening uh, that it, it kind of it made me kind of lose the the my gumption for it does that make sense yeah how how did that how did that not happen to you. I mean, my passion still with, with hunting is as strong as my music is. It's just easier to take a step away from music for two months, you know, during hunting season, you know, with the other 10 that you could play whenever you want. Say the winter, for example, you know, it's easy yeah. to put in the winter because there's nothing going on. But yeah, I mean, there's a time where, well, especially with this whole COVID thing, I, I hadn't picked up my guitar and since September during elk season, I take it to camp and I play a little bit, but we had a big show mm-hmm. and lucky Eagle casino got canceled the week before the COVID thing. So from that point, it was just, we didn't practice. We couldn't even be around each other and I didn't play much. I mean, it wasn't, mm-hmm. I guess I could, shouldn't say that I lost the the passion then, but it just, I'm sure everybody's in the same boat with this, this virus, you know, it just takes the wind out of your cell, man. It does. Like for a lot of things. I, w- I was supposed to go to, I don't remember if I was supposed to go to New Mexico or Wyoming. I was supposed to go to one of those states this year for an elk hunt. And, and it wasn't because of the virus that I stopped. It was because the virus affected my day job so much. I didn't want to spend the money to go. And, mm-hmm. and it, it just, you know, this thing is like just taking its toll. On and and everybody's like freaking uh, super ornery about it, and now your yeah. governor in Washington just like shut your state down again. So my company is all up in up in arms over it because you know we've we we had some good momentum trying to recover from this thing and and uh, I just I just I'm ready for this thing to go away, man. Yeah, we are too, and it's it's such a a divided world anymore these days a lot of us here where i live we're still trying to figure out how our governor is still governor but um it's just yeah me too man it's gonna kill our small businesses we know that for sure i mean everybody's gonna start throwing their hands up in the air and i don't know i don't know how we i don't know how we go on like this i don't know how we go on like this it's it doesn't make sense like like governor inslee of washington Mm -hmm. who's like not even from the same planet as guys like you and I. Yeah. I, right. I don't, I don't understand 
the the long game the the long term game plan here of shutting down small businesses and bars and 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 like you know all the things that 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 is happening where there's other parts of the world and other parts of the country that you know are understanding that you know there there's this this virus does not mean we need to close everybody out of our life and not have Thanksgiving together. And, and it's just and my mom had it. My mom is just getting over coronavirus right now. And she got pretty sick for a couple of days. So I'm not downplaying the, the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, what is the limit to this thing? Where like, what's the long term game plan when somebody like Inslee uh, tells like friends like my buddy Nate that is a tattoo artist they can't they can't work you know what I mean Wow yeah no he's a uh, he's voted the the worst of fifty states at number fifty as a governor and for some reason our uh, the center of our state being in that I five corridor in Tacoma and Seattle still votes for him well, we can't figure it out there's nothing more asinine yeah. than a governor during the middle of that all the riots and everything, letting people burn down their town and, and beat the hell right. out of them. It's just, you're not getting my vote. It's not okay to do. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, it's just ridiculous. We, we cannot go on like this. We can't, we can't keep closing all these small businesses down and people's day-to-day life activities. You know, the government, whether it's a state government or a federal government, it's not the intention was never to control people's lives like this. It's this is just out of control at this point. And yeah. so I don't know. I don't know, man. There's so much going on. Like it's it's not even funny. <laughs> but we yeah. again, we got off. We got off topic. Are you are you from Longview, Washington or or I'm, I'm sorry, you're from you're not from Longview. No, Where are you from? You ever go hunting with somebody that always chintzes out on like the most important thing, like boots? I did a couple times. And you know what happened? They slipped and fell down the mountain the entire month of September. That's what happens when you buy $100 boots and and try to make them last. They don't last. Guys, Hoffman Boots, can't say enough good things about this company. It's a great family-owned business right here in North Idaho. They make badass boots. These things are insanely insanely comfortable they just glue your feet to the mountain in the steepest of conditions they will keep you safer because of that so while my buddies are falling on their butt the entire time i'm walking down like i'm in the park guys i have a great promo code that'll save you 15 percent if you go to hoffmanboots.com it is all caps lock huntsman 15 in the checkout when you are ready for a new pair of great boots that you won't have to replace for a very long time Guys, Scree. Scree is Extreme Mountain Gear. They were one of the first sponsors of this podcast. And this high-performance hunting attire and gear, is it's scientifically tested camo patterns, backed by a great company, and it's got a lifetime warranty, VIP sizing, and, and, and exchange program. Basically, if you, if you order it and it's the wrong size, they pay for it to get shipped back, and they're going to send it back. I heard of some dude that accidentally ripped uh, a pair of his hard scrabble pants. And he was upset about it, and he let Scree know, and they replaced him for him. Guys, this is a great company. That's the kind of company that I am proud to have supporting this show and being partnered with them. Uh, It's just, again, a great company story and and, and a company that you guys would be proud to own the gear for. It'll get you through any season, anywhere in North America. 
Check it out at ScreeGear.com and use the promo code the Western Huntsman for 15% off and free shipping at checkout. And last, but by far not least, Phelps Game Calls. Guys, Phelps Game Calls, uh, you guys, if you've listened to any of these episodes, uh, as I kind of dissected my last September, I had so many bull elk encounters using these calls, and I used everything from the pink Maverick to the the pink amp to the Maverick. I used the Renegade bugle tube. I used a couple of their external read calls. I just had a ball calling in elk left and right, hand over fist, because these calls work. Obviously, they work well. It's not just about that, though. Guys, Jason Phelps started this company from scratch and built it into what it is now. The company, the game call company that we all know well. And I, I just, I think that that is so important. These the, these American companies that are born out of an idea and they grow into this this thing that, that we can all get behind and love and support and the, and the personalities and the people behind it, that's Phelps Game Calls. Salt of the Earth company, salt of the earth people that run it. And I can't say enough good things about Phelps Game Calls. Don't forget, it's not just about elk with Phelps. You get you a, uh, a black ta- a black tail in distress call and watch those deer come into you while they're rutting because it fires up those, those does. And what do you think is right behind those does during the rut? November's coming. Make sure you're getting your deer calls as well. So check it out at phelpsgamecalls.com and use the promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off at sh- uh, checkout. I keep wanting to say shipping. <laughs> That's how I roll. All right, guys. With that said, thank you to the sponsors of this show. Let's get back to the discussion. Hope you guys are enjoying the show. We'll talk to you later. I'm actually from Aberdeen, Washington. Oh, Aberdeen. Okay. And I live I live just uh, east of Raymond in a little town called Menlo. And it's a wonderful neighborhood. Uh, wonderful people here. It's just backwoods hunting fishing beer drinking uh lovable people it's just it's just a, i fit right into this environment <laughs> that's perfect man what are you drinking tonight actually i had a glass of red wine i saw that before you shut uh, see i'm drinking whiskey and i'm okay with Ooh, that i, I saw that too <laughs> yeah, yeah well i've been uh dude i haven't speaking of coronavirus i haven't processed a deer in for for probably about a decade i usually just take it into the butcher because i don't i I really don't have time Mm -hmm. and well the butcher won't take anything right now uh it's got to be all boned out and by the time you bone it out you might as well just finish it yourself so i went and bought a bunch of stuff today and i've been butchering a deer all day and so i'm covered in blood recording this dude i love it that's (laughs) That's pretty cool it's pretty legit right yes it is (laughs) (laughs) so Congrats so, on the deer did, too. Yeah. Well, I start. I I I got I got my area ready to to break this deer down and everything. I started drinking Coors Light, and so I figured <laughs> I'd just keep it on and pour a whiskey before we recorded. So Amen. you, um, what is the game plan now for for you in terms of like on Instagram? You're called Elk Singer, and yeah. and you do this this music that is like Northwest it's hunting it's outdoorsman uh it's like this country almost rock feel vibe to it it's really cool music what is the goal now what what are you going for with with your music well I'm uh and unfortunately before the corona hit I was doing the circuit of the um, mountain challenge archery shoots 
And so I would uh-huh. go play, you know, I would go play like uh, Oregon, Washington, Idaho and uh, play my music, sell my CDs. And then my, uh, my website is bulldownproductions.com. And I actually sell sweatshirts and hats that go with my songs. So I'm going to look that up real quick. Yeah. Bull down, bull down productions. Yep. Bulldownproductions.com. And okay. I have a trademark pending for straight out of elk camp apparel. Are you so, the one that came up with that? Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, dude, I have, I, in fact, I think I posted that picture. I have a picture of elk camp. I, I won that shirt at a mule deer foundation banquet. Awesome. Uh, I, that says straight out of elk camp. And I posted yeah. that picture. I was chopping wood in my flip flops wearing that shirt. I from saw elk camp. that picture. I commented on it. I, yeah, I, uh, <laughs> I that. yeah. I love that shirt, dude. I need more of those shirts. Well, I know a guy that's going to ship you a new one. So, <laughs> oh man, I'll send you some Western Huntsman shirts. You send me one of the, another one of those. I like it. Good swap. Oh yeah, that this is a nice website, man. Bull Down Productions. Yep, Bull Down Productions. Yeah, I'm, I'm still in the process of uh, new gear and stuff. We were going to have uh, some some new artwork done on some different uh, sweatshirts, and then here we go again with the COVID thing. And I was afraid, well, I can't sit on a bunch of stock if I'm not out playing. Right. So yeah, yeah, for sure. I sell a little bit here and there. Usually right before Christmas, it gets busy. The sweatshirts are, are really nice. And, uh, and then bull down is the title of one of my albums. And so I've had bull down sweatshirts, bull down hats and, you know, everybody that kills a bull down. It, it's just one of those. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's the cadence, the holy cadence of elk hunt, and I got a bull down. So when I wrote that song and put it on an album, I actually get some downloads uh, periodically for that album, which is cool. I mean, it means that it's working. It just takes it takes a long time to get your music out and, and for people to download it. So I like it, though. It's fun. It's, it's awesome. I, I love that. I love the just elk it hat, but you're sold out. Yeah, that's and that's. That's one thing we we should talk about. Like, how hard is it as a musician to get your music out there? Um, and then we'll circle back to this stuff because uh, this this website's pretty sweet, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah, um, it's a uh, it's kind of a big giant circle from start to finish, where you see yourself taking off playing music and then building a little, uh, you know, building a little clientele of people that that buy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Or, yep. or, camp or this or that first of all it starts with the music they hear a song they go that's cool they want to listen to the song and then you know you can kind of tie it to a hat that says bull down and then the next mm-hmm. thing you know i tied it to a couple other pieces of um, attire and then you kind of hope in the end you can build a, a a website you know and and kind of make a living it you know selling your stuff across the states there's there's hunting in so many different states and that's basically how I was starting and hopefully, you know, hoping that I was going to end with some sort of an online store uh, selling elk hunting stuff, you know, elk hunting attire. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's, it's actually, uh, gosh, man, I'm, I'm still, I'm, I'm like listening and I'm also shopping on your website here. So bear with me. (laughs) (laughs) Northwest Wild, born to eat elk. I like that, dude. You're sold out of the cool hats. I, I need to get some of. The, do you make your own stuff, or do you have it made, or how do you do that? 
I have it made in Centralia by a place called Willie's Willie's Sports Shop. And actually, you know, it's it's weird because I've had some hats ordered for a while now that are all on back order, and it all had to do with this COVID stuff. I mean, it's it's yeah it's, yeah it's months set back where it's hard to plan ahead. You know, when I don't have any gigs to play to go, I mean, I would usually my dad and my wife and my in-laws would help sell this stuff at my gigs and now we're not doing it. So I'm just kind of trying to do the social media thing with posting, you know, but then when you go to order and it takes a couple of months cause they're all back ordered, it's tough, but uh, yeah, for sure. But my, my t-shirts take forever too, man, but they're not, not months, but I'm having a hard time with those because it's all, I, I'm doing it drop ship because I, I really don't know what I'm doing with it. Honestly, <laughs> I'm just trying to sell some t-shirts to help pay for like microphones and stuff for the podcast. Um, but it, it takes like three weeks for people to get them. Yeah. And, and so that sucks. But uh, I, that it, it's super funny, man. I had no idea that you were the guy that came out of that or came up with this straight out of elk camp shirt, because <laughs> I love that shirt. Oh, like my, my, I get more comments. I wear that. So here in, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, we have this local store. It's an outdoor shop called Black Sheep. I'll give them a shout out. They're okay. like a locally owned smaller version of, of Cabela's, you know, and, okay. and, uh, the, the owner is this cool dude. And you, you always know when he's in the store cause the employees like behave themselves a little bit better, but, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's such a cool store. I was in there today, actually, but um, I'll wear that straight out of Elk Camp shirt and go into somewhere like Black Sheep, and everybody just they comment, "They'll where'd you get that shirt?" and and I don't even know, man. I got it at the Mule Deer Foundation. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I'll try to reach out to one, you know. And that's a stint of trying to get my my gear into different stores all over, and it's stuff like this that you know, uh, yeah, get going, man. I, I I appreciate you a lot. That's awesome. What's it looking like going forward uh, with this COVID thing? Are you going to be able to start playing live shows again soon or? Uh, not with Inslee as our governor here in Washington. It's shut down for at least a month, I think. And uh, I don't know. I might mm. end up starting to do some live shows on, you know, doing stuff like this on the computer. I mean, if that's the way to go. Yeah. I mean, at least it keeps a guy in rhythm, you know, playing and, and uh, practicing. You, for that, I think that's important, man. I, you know, just, just keeping, keeping the rust knocked off. Uh, I picked up my guitar the other day for the first time since long before hunting season. I always take it and I, I play it. We camp all summer and I'll take my guitar up there and we'll play around the fire and do some music or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's, it's nothing like it used to be. And I picked it up the other day and I, I'm not kidding. I played like two or three songs on my fingers. I, I thought they were going to start bleeding again from back when I was learning guitar. <laughs> so it, it's, it's just something you've got to sharpen all the time. And uh, I, I kind of miss it, man. I, I, I miss playing now that I'm older, especially and writing songs and all that. Yeah. And so I, I wish we actually lived closer. I'd say, let's, let's hook up. We'll, we'll go to the river and camp and just play Absolutely. music and hunt for a few days. So if you ever want to come oh, to man. Idaho, man, I got a, I got a great, I got a great elk camp, get you tag. We'll play music at night and we'll, uh, we'll call in bulls all, all day you know, during September. Oh gosh. I'm, I'm 100% in. I, uh, 
Yeah. Okay. Well, it's an open invite. I, I'm not kidding you. It's an open invite. It, it, it would be a, it would be a ball. I love it. Gosh, we should, we could do a live show from elk camp. That would we be, could. that would be kick-ass. There's no way to stream it. Cause where I hunt, there's no, there's no service, but we, we can yeah. just record it and then release it when we get back to town. We could do that. Yes, we could. I'm not chicken to that. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. That'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. So give us a, what, what's your hunting background look like? Walk us through that. Um, it's deep roots with elk hunting. Uh, my family's elk hunted for years and years, uh, from my grandpa to my dad, my uncles and cousins and, uh, me and my brother have just, we, we picked up bows in 99 or 2000 and we've, We've harvested a lot of elk in what twenty one years, I guess. So are are you are you hunting uh, Roosevelt elk out there on the coast or? Yeah, yep. We hunt Roosevelts here on the coast, and then I've been Rocky Mountain hunting in Oregon. I've killed bulls in Oregon, Idaho, Washington for Rockies, and then just Roosevelts here, but. I, yeah, I got a question on that. I, I got a question on that. When, because I, I don't know. Uh, I know I've, I've heard other shows talk about it and YouTube channels talk about it and stuff like that. But how, what is the comparison when you're, when you're bugling for a Roosevelt versus bugling for a Rocky? What's the difference in your opinion? Um, these, these elk here on the coast are, they're pretty temperamental. Um, uh, there'll be days where they just shut up. It's just like a, a bad day of turkey hunting where you could hear a hundred turkeys gobble one day and the next you go, where the hell did they all go? They don't answer. And these elk here are, are pretty similar to that. You you could catch them for a couple of days where they're, they're on fire and then they'll hmm. just shut up. Well, you know, in, in my experience with hunting Rocky mountain bulls, of course the canyons seem bigger. I mean, your, your higher elevations, the coast, you can only get, Man, I mean, we can only get 2,500, maybe to 3,000 feet max here on the coast. And maybe it has to do with those elevations. But I've been on some amazing Rocky Mountain hunts where I thought you could throw, uh, you know, the, the worst bugle at them in the world and they'd still answer. Kind of, you know, but I don't hunt them. Yeah. Much, you know, I'm used to hunting these, you know, for, you know, 21 years. And, uh, you know, just when you think you know everything about them they'll still throw you for a tailspin. So they're, you think they're a little tougher to call in then over like as a whole? I do. Yep. I do. Um, Hmm. Me and uh, another guy were talking about this recently on a podcast too. And, and the similarities are, uh, I would say the Rocky mountain elk are, I think they're more aggressive. The more and more I talk about it, I think of the, but I've shot some bigger bulls, too, you know, where age might be that factor too of, of why they're more aggressive. Uh, hunting Man, they weren't very aggressive this year. <laughs> no, this was a, a, a amazing year. Uh, Did you have that? Did you yeah. have that? Like the, the elk just, they, they weren't as aggressive and reactive as, as normal. Did, did that happen to you? Yeah. Yep. Um, but we were a little bit early when we went to Oregon this year than compared to when I would normally want to go. We went in that first week of September because our Washington uh, yeah. started later. And uh, they, of course, it was, they would bugle, but they weren't, you know, then they'd run off. It was just, everybody was out because it was Labor Day weekend. You got a extra day of vacation. 
but I did have people say, you know, during that third week around the, you know, 15th, 16th, 17th is typically, it seems like that prime time rut for uh, Rocky Mountain Elk. And we weren't there. We were here, <laughs> but we did kill some bulls. Yeah. I'm just, I'm looking at your uh, living Northwest wild gallery here. You got some great pictures, man. Yeah. And, and Northwest so, wild, a oh, song that I wrote. It's a song that I wrote and it's just about where I live and, you know, all the things that we do here with hunting, fishing, clam digging, berry picking. It's just, to me, it's God's country uh, for an outdoorsman. The the salt water's right here to, to eat some amazing fish. You know, the rivers, you know, the fresh water's right here too. I mean, it kind of got it all living here and that's why I called it Northwest Wild. That's, it's so true too. I, I think that there's, there's a lot of similarities between coastal Washington and Oregon and North Idaho because you have this you have this big great break right you have the Cascade Range and and then you have like central Washington's this big open area where um you know you can watch your dog run away for 3 days and then yeah. and then you get into North Idaho and it's super thick and brushy like like coastal Washington and so that's, I think that's why it's near and dear to my heart, what, what you're talking about, because, you know, we, we do all that too. We, you know, the huckleberries and, and we, have, my wife and I, we lucked out, dude. We, we bought this house out, out in the sticks. We've got some acres out here, had no idea the following year we go out in onto our property and we're looking around and I kid you not, dude, I have an entire acre plus of nothing but huckleberries. Wow. And they're huge huckleberries. Like they're great huckleberries too. They're not like chintzy huckleberries. And, and we, we spend, and they, they, they come into season a little bit earlier than up, up, up in the mountains. Cause we, we used to go up in the mountains and, and pick huckleberries like crazy. It's a big thing we used to do all of August. Well, now here at the house, we spend all of July picking huckleberries on our property and it's one of our favorite things to do. So we, we get more huckleberries. I, I could like, I could like start a huckleberry business with how many huckleberries we get off of this thing. It's crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. We lucked out the The realtor, whoever listed our place when we bought it was an idiot. They should, <laughs> they should have totally, they should have totally marketed this. Hey, there is a bunch of huckleberries that that grow every year on this property, and uh, you know that would have added to the value. And if I, I I always tell my wife, if we ever sell this place, we are totally putting it. Okay, this is like huckleberry and whitetail deer haven. Awesome. So, yeah, it works out. Do you hunt blacktail out there? Yep, I hunt blacktail here on the coast, and then uh, we actually hunt. Idaho whitetails as well. And then uh, I've been only on a couple of mule deer hunt. I'm actually going mule deer hunting next week. So I'm going to be off. No kidding. Yeah. Doing that. Up Are here. you, you going in Washington for, for uh mule deer? Yeah. Late archery mule deer hunting. Yeah. Sweet man. That'll be yeah. fun. Biggest mule deer I ever shot was in, was in Washington. So, oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. And, and I've hunted in Utah. I've hunted a lot of mule deer in Utah where they get, they're just monsters down there, you know. Utah and Colorado—they—they've just—they're they, well known for their mule deer. But the, ironically, the biggest one I ever shot was was in uh, Northeast Washington years ago. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, that, that's cool. I, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun, and so uh, I love mule deer hunting, man. That'll be fun. Oh gosh, yeah. 
I'm excited just to get out of here. This, this, this is just a jungle here on the coast, you know, for blacktails. Mm-hmm. The rut was not, it, it just was a funky rut this year. And then of course our extended buck season is this week, this coming weekend where I'm actually leaving to go to the other side, but uh, it's all good. I, I shot enough of the blacktails. I want to shoot a big muley and, you know, you got to go where they are to, to get them. For sure. Well, let me know where you're, uh, when, when you're going and if you're, if you're close by, I'll, I'll meet up with you. Yeah, absolutely. man. I'll, I'll help you. I'll help you pack, man. Yeah. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could share a campfire for sure up there in the mountains. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to deal with some uh, snow right now, but, but we're in good shape. We're all right. So yeah. those blacktails are, did, uh, w- now when do those things rut exactly? Um, you can pretty much look for them to, to start getting in the rut around the 20th of October and basically right through the 20th of November. Is oh, gotcha. A month long. And then they, they actually second cycle like, you know, whitetails and muleys do too, where if the, you know, doe doesn't come into heat, you know, it's like 26, 27 days later, they might come back into heat again. So there's kind of two, two ruts here. Um, mm-hmm. but it's. I would say the peak is November 1st. Put yourself right dead center of October 20th and November 20th. So a little earlier than whitetail and muleys, mm-hmm. but uh, I've, I've, I'm just curious. These things, I've never hunted a Roosevelt and I've never hunted a blacktail and I want to change that eventually. Oh, uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I've, you know, they've, they've got this, uh, what are those guys? My, my buddies over at team uh, bad decision. Travis, he's got this, uh, what is that? The, the five buck slam or the, the grand slam of the deer or whatever. Wow. He just got that man. And, um, I've, I've never shot a coos deer, blacktail or a Sitka. And, and those are the three I need. So maybe what we'll do, I got a great idea. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Let's swap a hunt. <laughs> okay. You come over to North Idaho and I'll call in a bull for you. And, and you just kind of point me in the right direction for, for the blacktail. Cause I have no oh. idea how to hunt those suckers. Oh, it's on. No, I'll be right by your side. How about we just okay. do that? Yeah. Yeah. And now I had, it, it was pretty dismal for me this last September. I, I actually called in a lot of elk, but circumstantially only got shot a shot on one. And I, I've been just. Man, it's been rough. I, I hit him, and I don't know. I don't know if I hit him high. I don't know if I hit him back or what. But I never found him, and I don't. I he didn't die, and I know this because I came back like five year or five days later, and I, I did like a crow check throughout that whole basin. Uh-huh. I just I didn't kill him, uh-huh. and so it, it was it was a rough rough season for me that way because I always hate it when I when I wound an animal, you know, and and it's yeah. just. That's, that's happened to me twice now. And, uh, I just, I never want it to happen again. But that being said, you're probably a better shot than I am. So I'll call them in. I'm really good at calling them in. <laughs> and so I don't know. I'll, yeah. I've had some years where I shot good and, uh, years where I didn't do good. I actually emptied my quiver this year on the one that I killed. So that tells me anything. It wasn't the, wasn't the greatest. <laughs> but I got him. How, how many arrows did you have to stick in him? Uh, four. No kidding. Yep. I shoot. And one of Dude. them, did, 
one of I mean, you know, it's a brush hole over here. So if you, oh, yeah. you know, one of those episodes where, you know, 45 minutes before dark type of a situation where if I, I'm pretty, I like to sneak down and pick up my arrow if I can, or, or, you know, at least see if it's down or expired, you know, a lot of people will back out and, and wait for two hours or whatever. But if it's before dark, I want to make sure in this country, if I can put another arrow in it, I'm going to sneak down and try to put another arrow in it. That's just me. And that's where, yeah. just, that's where just elk it comes from too. A lot of it, making those split second decisions that um, a lot of people don't do, you know, mm-hmm. I like mm-hmm. to do it just so that if, if I can stuff another one in them and not let them suffer, that that's the kind of guy I am. Now, and that's, that's the right way to be for sure. I, I didn't have an opportunity even to stick another arrow, but you know what, it, it what kills me, man, is I, I've replayed that moment a million times in my head of when I, when I, when I release that arrow and that the, the thing that I keep coming to is, is like, there is nothing in that situation that I could think of in my mind that I would have changed. And so I just don't know what happened. I don't know if the arrow deflected or what, but I'm with you. If I could stick him again, I, I totally would. I just didn't, I didn't have an opportunity on this guy. Sure. Uh, he was a decent bull too. I just, man, been a rough, it's been a rough recovery from that one for sure. Part yeah, of bow it, hunting though. It is. And it happens. It happens. I don't care who anybody says that they're this amazing archer. It, it happens, you know, yeah. certain situations where you can't get another arrow in them. They're gone. And, a lot of times that tells you too about your shot, you know, that yeah. they're going to go that, you know, four or 500 yards and, and not slow down for a while, then your, your shots marginal. And, and it is what it is at that point, you're going for it. And like you said, if, you know, four or five days later, you, you find them and which happens in some scenarios. And, you know, a lot of people that I know, will you know, recover their game and, cut their tag, put it on it and take it out. And that's their season. Yeah. That's how I have, uh, the, the, the name of my studio where I record these podcasts, which when freaking COVID's over, I could finally have people over again, um, which I, I actually would right now. But, um, anyway, the, yeah, the, the name is broken Tines studio and old broken Tines up on the wall behind me here. Uh, that's, that's, I, it, it took some crows to find him and it was, it was a devastating deal. It took me, uh, about 30, I don't know, a few days. I, and I finally found him through crows. Wow. Yeah. But, uh, I notched my tag. I was done and it was only the 20th or so sometime around there of, of September. And so, uh, yeah, I could have kept hunting, but I, I just, it, it wasn't right. And I, I wish more people would do that. Uh, yeah. but anyway, Enough with the negative part of hunting. <laughs> I want to. I want to get back to the music thing, man. Okay. I because uh, again, you know, we t- we've talked about it. It's, we're both we're both music guys. I know that I'm kind of a, a poser because I I quit music for a long time. I got a little burned out. I had a band manager that was uh, uh, taking the fun out of it. A, lo- a lot of it. And, uh, you know, just making it so it wasn't, it wasn't what I wanted it to be. You know, it wasn't for the music anymore, but, um, so, and, and, and so what that's led to is I essentially am a hack musician nowadays. And (laughs) when I, when I had a band, we had, we had 
we had our, uh, we, we called it, I, we had this funny, unique name for it, but we had basically two types of followers for the band. We had the band following, which liked our music and liked to come out and dance and get rowdy and listen to kind of a country rock kind of thing going on. And then we had our, what we called the Will Foster following. And Will was our lead guitar player. Yeah. And so Will could play the the electric, the acoustic, the, uh, he, he played banjo, he played mandolin, he played fiddle, he played all these different things. Anything with strings on it, Will could play. And, wow. uh, and I could brag him up because I don't think Will listens to it. I don't even think he knows what a damn podcast is. And uh, he is one of the honoriest buggers you'll ever meet in your life. And he was an asshole. But he's also one of my one of my best friends because I get him and he gets me, and sure. and we're very different in a lot of ways. But we're we're also he he was like the wittiest dude you'll ever meet. Long story short, he had a following of other guitar players that would just come and watch him play guitar. That's how good he was. He 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 should be in Nashville or L.A. or something just just playing music because he'd probably make twelve hundred bucks an hour being a studio sessionist. He, yeah. he was amazing. He's amazing. He still is. He still comes over and we hang out in the studio here and play guitar all night long and, and drink too much and talk a lot of shit. And, and that's what we do. Hell yeah. And yeah, that's what we do. And, and it's, it, he's a, he's a great dude, but he's also a jerk and that's why he doesn't make 1200 <laughs> bucks an hour in the studio. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and so anyways, that was our second following people, musicians, other musicians would come to our shows just to watch Will play. And, and, and it was worth it for them. What I'm getting at is, is like, what, what does that look like for you guys? What, what do you guys, before coronavirus hit, what kind of, what kind of following did you guys have? What kind of shows were you playing? That kind of thing. Um, we were, uh, so I got different players now. Makes a big difference when you have good musicians, right? Yes. Yep. Um, and then, uh, so as far as the shows we were going to do, we had this, this, uh, the biggest one actually is the Lucky Eagle Casino. They call it a shamrock shaker and, um, it's over St. Patrick's day. And there's usually three bands, the Olsen brothers band, the hump tulips band, and then my band. Um, and it's a big party. Jim, it's, it's exactly nice rowdy party. It's just a big, uh, in the casino great hall and it's packed. Uh, I think it was sold out and it usually, I think it seats between about a thousand, 1100 people. I should, I should get you some gigs in North Idaho, dude. Absolutely, man. I want to come play in your studio and just hang out with you. You should. We have a good time in this studio. Look, this studio, I, I tried to make it just for the podcast, but it ended up being my friends come over I have this table and a wood-burning stove, and we get a hot fire going. We break out our guitars. We break out the whiskey, and we just have a ball. And uh, it, it's it, I got places to sleep, all that stuff. We're, oh, we're good. Come on I'm, over. I'm in. I'm 100% in. <laughs> I think it'd be a ball. And it, yeah, this, this is, I'm just, I'm, I'm really excited about it. This, this would be fun. And I'd, I'd love to take you North Idaho uh, elk hunting, man. Oh gosh. I, I hunted North Idaho for whitetails about six years ago. I think it was just on a whim. I mean, we usually hunt kind of more, more central, but we were up and if, if I tell you the name of the bar that we were hanging out, you'll know exactly where we were at. Okay. Tell me the name. I think it was the moose knuckle. 
Oh yeah. Oh brother. I, I have a, I've played that bar. I, I, I have, I have played that bar. I know exactly where you're at. And all I know is there's a lot more wolves up there in that particular spot than there are uh, deer and white or uh, an elk, but, but there's yeah. a lot of big white tails up there too. There's mule deer up there too. Yeah. We were after white tails and uh, my father-in-law's uh, fuel pump went out in his pickup we were stuck on a logging road, clean back in BFE, no cell service. I had to catch a ride with a log truck and drive out to get cell service and call a mobile mechanic to figure out what was going on. <laughs> we got our trip cut short. I almost got ran over by one of those black Angus cows. And oh man, yeah, it was a country song and a half. <laughs> that is a country song, dude. I I can't believe that. What a small world. The moose knuckle, dude. Okay. I, I don't want to say too much just because of the area, but the trick to that area for hunting, whether it's elk, moose, wolves, bear, whatever, is you got to have a boat to access the very furthest northern point of that lake. Mm. And, and it's no man's land. There's no roads up there. Wow. So the only way to get to it is by boat. And uh, I was supposed to, my buddy John Thomas and I were supposed to do that this year. And things got a little messed up, I think, with our, our, our elk seasons. But we were we were going to go chase elk up there this year uh, via boat. And but no, that's that's fantastic, man. I, I that's uh, that's funny. You, you say that I, I just played that. In fact, I did an acoustic gig with that dude I was telling you about Will who was in my band we we did like this acoustic session up there uh 3 or 4 years ago for like memorial weekend wow and uh yeah so that's awesome man cool gorgeous country yeah it's that's uh that's some jungle up there though it is we saw some moose i mean yeah it, you got to get up to uh, up out of the bottom that's for dang sure but you're right it's thick oh yeah uh, you know, yeah, super thick and brushy. There's uh, there's a lot you got to worry about grizzly bears up there for sure. No kidding, the grizz are in there, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah. My buddy lives up there who's actually going to be coming on this show hopefully in December. I think, um, I'm going to go see him, but yeah, he just had a, a big old grizzly come through his yard oh, and nice. he lives kind of a little further north, uh, by about 30 minutes of where the moose knuckle is. Gosh, that's terrible. Those things are creeping in. They're everywhere, man. They're they're everywhere up there, and they're just they're creeping in from, you know, you got Glacier National Park where where they're just they're super rampant over there, and on the Montana side, and they're they're just moving over through the uh, through. There's there's nothing to stop them. Yeah, right. You know, and so anyway, yeah, no, that's cool. I I didn't know I didn't know uh, I one of the biggest whitetail deer I've ever missed was uh up just past the moose knuckle by 10 miles or so and i i missed that sucker like three years ago <laughs> i'll be darned <laughs> close to that yeah we were we, we must have been almost on each other's toes that's funny <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's, it's great country one of my favorite uh little nooks and crannies of the the entire country up there so no that's great now everybody's going to be searching on the internet. Where's the moose knuckle? Yeah. The bar's going to be famous. <laughs> they have great burgers, man. They, oh. they serve a great burger. So whatever. Oh, Go boy. check it out, folks.
Yep. <laughs> Give them a shout out right now. The moose knuckle. You bet. <laughs> the, the moose knuckle. My wife still has the hoodie. I got her a hoodie. That's how I got paid for playing that gig on Memorial Weekend is they gave us hoodies. And I gave <laughs> one to my wife and, and one to her friend. <laughs> wow. Perfect. So I, I want to hear you play some music, man. We've been talking all this music stuff. Uh, you want to play us a song? Yeah, yeah, you bet. So, uh, all right, give us a little background on the song, though. Okay, so this song is called "The Fever," and it, it's uh, one of the more popular ones off my new album called uh, the album's called Freezer Bound. And the Fever, I wrote. Freezer Bound, I like that. Yeah, that's the name of the album, but. The song's called The Fever, and I wrote it the night before opening day of elk season two years ago, sitting in camp. Me and my dad put up a wall tent. We were sitting around a fire one night, and uh, actually, no, we weren't sitting around a fire then because there was fire danger, I believe. We were just sitting around in our chairs with the lights or whatever, but uh, I yeah, yeah. thinking about how much of a fever, you know, you your, your emotions just get huge the day before elk season you can't wait the anticipations there um the camaraderie and i felt like i had a a fever and that you know the elk hunting fever oh man i know exactly how that feels that's fantastic so anyway it goes like this day of the season. I'm on pump. We got here. The coffee's on and daylight's creeping. The sun's coming over the hill. I wish they could bottle this rush I'm on. We'll press it in a pill. Cause I've got the fever. The fever. The fever I can't shake. It's got a hold of me. Yeah, I got the fever, yeah, the fever that I get in the high country. Montana bowslings, game bags and razor blades. I'm about to send it mountain style, baby. Let that canyon ring from the depths of Phelps Gray Amp Frame. We'll see what this will bring. Cause I've got the Sparks the fire. 
and he kicks my fever into full swing. It's all like a live wire. I got the fever. The fever. The fever I can't shake. It's got a hold of me. The fever. Yeah, I got the fever. Yeah. The fever that I get in the high country. The high country. Man, I love it, dude. That was awesome. Thank you. Okay, let's. We got to break this down. That that was cool. You know what I liked about that, Tony? Is is you got like this? You almost have this southern deep, uh, this bluesy country thing, mixing it with the northwest where we actually got elk. And and like this this combination of it, I get excited, man. That was awesome. That was badass. Right on. Thanks, buddy. Where, okay, so where can people buy this music? It's all downloadable on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, all the main streaming sites. So uh, okay, I I wish we had. I I gotta. I have to just let people know we're not in. Uh, because, because Tony's over in Washington, I'm in Idaho, you know, we're re- recording this over, uh, something called Squadcast, which is a lot like zoom or something like that. And, and so the sound quality goes in and out and it kind of breaks it up a little bit if the, if, if the guitar gets too close to the mic or whatever, but, uh, the, the downloaded version would be studio quality kind of thing Yes. where, where this was, we're just kind of hearing it like we'd hear it around a campfire, which I love it because it makes it raw. It makes it real. I, I love the songwriting in it. And I think that any elk hunter on the face of this planet could relate to that. And I love it, man. That is badass. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. So, okay. I, I and I kind of cut you off so we can get it at iTunes. We can get it. Can we get it on bull down productions? Yes. Yep. I actually have the hard disks on uh, my website, bulldownproductions.com, or you can get it at cdbaby.com. Uh, they have CDs there as well, but I ship right out of my shop here in uh, Washington um, the hard copies, or if they want to download them, then they just go on any of the streaming sites. And then I've got a couple now, YouTube videos, I think, on there too. But Listen, listen, Grandpa. <laughs> you and I are the only people in this world that probably still has CDs. Okay. Um, I want, I want your CD. I'm going to buy a CD because I still, there's something about the, the thing that is lost with this whole download generation is having the physical album in your hands where you could see the CD, the cover art, you could read the 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 different things that are put into a CD. Like in, I, we recorded an album. I I I put down a bunch of text, you know, thanking people and talking about how the songs were written and blah blah blah. And and you miss that. You miss that with this new age of of only downloading one song at a time, where you don't get the full uh, you don't get the full experience from an artist yeah. by just downloading one song. Where that that physical CD that used to come, or even I'll go way back, man. I'm I'm old enough. I used to buy tapes, the cassette tapes, and mm-hmm. and they'd have that little booklet inside, right? And yeah. uh, I remember I, I'd take those booklets and I'd have some of my favorite bands. I had uh, actually that wasn't a CD that or, or cassette. That was a CD. 
I took because uh, I'm I'm a rock fan too, right? And and so yeah. I because I'm a drummer, and and so I I took my uh, my Primus CD to the the Primus concert and had them all sign it, and and I broke into the backstage to to get them to do that. Like I snuck back there. I didn't have backstage passes, so I still have that. Wow. But that's what's lost. That's what's lost today. And so yeah. I want to buy your CD. And if I buy it on your website, is there a way that you could like track that and say, oh, okay, that's Jim bought the CD. I'm going to sign it. Absolutely. I'll sign it right in the shop. You can? Before I, I'll, I'll sign it before I even put it in the mail. Sweet. Because yeah. that it's like this lost art, man. It's a lost art. These these physical CDs, these, these albums with the covers. And man, I just, yeah. I have like, I have like 500 CDs in my shop from my band days. Wow. That, uh, you know, cause we, we ordered a bunch, uh, when we made our album and, and we sold a bunch of them, but I still have like two boxes full. Well, I'll, and so I'll swap you one. You don't pay for mine and I don't pay for how, for yours. How's that? Would you swap? Dude, you got a deal, but you have to understand <laughs> the quality of yours is a lot better than mine. Okay. <laughs> no, thanks. Like you're a better songwriter. You're a, you're damn sure a better guitar player than I am. And, uh, you're a better singer than me. So I, I really, I really like that stuff, man. I, I want the, I want the whole CD and, uh, well, I'll play that stuff on the Western Huntsman intro if we need to. Right on, man. Heck yeah. I appreciate that a lot. So yeah, no, that's, that's cool, man. This is, this has been one of my, one of the more fun conversations for, for my show. Uh, and it, just for me personally, you know, we, we, we talk, we usually get super serious about the ins and outs of hunting and the hunting industry and community. And, and we're all hunters that listen to this and, and that's what we're passionate about. And, uh, I, I have outside of my family, I have two major passions and one is music and, uh, the bigger one is hunting. I'm, I'm a lot. That's, that's one of those passions that's never left me. Sure. And so, um, it's just, uh, we need to, we need to get together for sure and get you over here personally physically in the studio because i could actually plug your guitar into my uh, soundboard and oh. so we could make it like you know studio quality heck yeah how I cool would, would that be totally <laughs> i think it'd be great so you got your uh you got your mule deer hunt coming up yep. you got any other hunts for this year that'll be it um my dad's actually uh so my speaking of vets you know um my dad's a vietnam vet and I'm going to be sitting in a ground blind with him for four days. He booked a hunt through a great friend of mine at Tanglewood Guides up in Omak, Washington. And so, oh, sweet. So he's going to let me, Orrin Jensen, he's going to let me sit in the blind with my dad and, and him and, you know, hopefully see my dad. You know, he can use a crossbow because he's a disabled vet. Um, yeah. Blind, yeah. Try to take a mule deer with a bow. Pretty impressive. So, He's 71 and, uh, I love him to death and, uh, it's just going to be a great experience sitting there with him for a few days in the snow. And I can't even imagine how much fun we're going to have and laughs. It's going to be incredible. That, that, that will be one of those things that you will, uh, will never forget. And, um, I think that's super important and that's, that's probably, one of the things that philosophically we as hunters sometimes maybe take for granted um, is is the time we spend with our loved ones like our dads and our kids 
and our wives and, and other family and friends. And, and, and that is such a fantastic thing. What did he do in Vietnam? Do you, what service was he in? What, uh, what branch and, and what did he do? Yeah. So he was a door gunner in Vietnam and, uh, he, uh, he had came back, um, in 70, I think it was I'm trying to remember. He left in 68, might've been 71, 70, 71. Anyway, uh, he told my mom when they came back, you know, before they had me that he was never going to fly again. And, uh, so they knew that and he never did fly during their marriage before they'd got divorced. But, um, he's shared a few stories with me about Vietnam. Um, but a lot of my passion with, uh, the music too is, is, uh, when, when I go play these shows, I always, you know, ask if there's any veterans in the room or in the bar or anything. And we always raise a beer and tip them back for them every place I play. So, uh, That's fantastic. and a lot of it, my, I love my dad to death. So I actually, uh, the, the most recent song that I wrote was called the colors on my hat. And it's about a friend of ours that was in the army and I never knew he served all the times that I've talked to this guy forever during the elk season. This is where it really cuts, right? He was just mm-hmm. one guy, um, loved to talk about hunting this and that. Well, after he passed away, we went to his house to get this grinder. Um, this was only been like four months ago, five months ago, I guess. And he had left us this grinder and he said he wanted it to go to the wind trip. So we went to get it. And then when we walked in, you know, where he had been sleeping, I saw his U S army hat and a, a sack of brass and his life member hat right next to his bed. And I was like, man, I never knew he served. I don't think I ever thanked him for his service time. So yeah, the yeah. color, the colors on my hat is for everybody that walks by a, a any vet that says, you know, Vietnam vet, um, uh, Afghanistan war about World War II, whatever it is, the colors on those hats are bright, you know, greens, yellows, reds, blues. And they, you know, they signify something that everybody needs to know. And it's not that hard to walk up and shake a hand and say, thanks. So, you know, it's, it's such an interesting topic. And, and obviously it's, it's, it's pretty personal to me on, on, on my last episode, I did, I did a tribute uh, to the Marine Corps because it was a Marine Corps birthday. And I did have a disclaimer in there. They right. talked about uh, where, where I, I told everybody that j- if, if you served your country, but not in the Marine Corps, it does not mean that I discount your service. And right. I, I, I genuinely from the bottom of my heart mean that it, I did the tribute to the Marine Corps because it was a Marine Corps birthday. And, um, I, I think that uh, I definitely went too long with it. And I, for that to the audience, I apologize, but uh, it, it's, it's one of those things that like we as veterans, you know, I, I, I was in the war on terrorism and I was in our, the Iraq war and uh, I, I was, we were involved in a lot of stuff we were in Kosovo and, and uh, it wasn't supposed to be like that when I joined, it was supposed to be peace it was wow. peacetime, you know, late nineties when right. I joined and then September 11th happened. The point being is, uh, the conversation, if, if people are thanking veterans, sometimes we, we get a little awkward about it. 
like sometimes it's not that it's 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 not wanted or, or or appreciated or anything, but we get a lot we we get pretty awkward about it sometimes and and feel out of place when somebody thanks us for for our service. And I want people that that haven't and this isn't for you, Tony. This is for just people listening. Right. You know, it just just understand that we we genuinely do appreciate that because. It, it, this, the, the, the time we spent and, and I bet I'm sure it was the same for your dad that when we served, it's like this big time in our lives. It's this big eventful thing that is so vivid in our memories. We think about it daily. We, we think about the, the, the good times and the bad times and the everything in between. And, and so when somebody does appreciate that and show some appreciation for it, for, for, for me, I'll put it to you this way. I don't expect people to thank me for it because mm-hmm. I volunteered. Sure. But at the same time, when people do, it, it does actually warm our hearts because it, it's like, man, we, we did do all these things and we gave up this time and, and, and we do this stuff. And, and I, I don't talk about it a lot on the show, but sure. it, it is nice sometimes to hear that and to hear people like you that, that, that actually appreciate it and appreciate our country and 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 see this thing that is greater than ourselves and so i uh, thank you for acknowledging it i guess is the long way of me saying thanks for thanking us and and thank you to your dad for his service and um i feel like you got another song to share with us oh man and yeah i'd i'd love to hear it man and we can kind of close it out with that yeah Yep. And, uh, I did a video of the song. It's on the YouTube. It's called the colors on my hat. And, hey, what, what's your YouTube channel called? Um, I believe it's, I think it's, <laughs> you are old man. You don't yeah. know the name of your YouTube channel. <laughs> no, well, I think it might be tied into my website, Bull Down Productions, but if not, yeah, you I'm, just I'm Google looking. the colors on my hat and it pops up. Okay. I'm, Cause I, what I'll do is I'll, I'll put this all in the show notes. So people okay. could just when when they're listening to the show, they can just click on all this. See, they'll, they'll get to Bull Down Productions. They'll get to the YouTube. Your Instagram is Elk Singer or Elk underscore Singer, I think, right? At Elk Singer. At Elk Singer. Okay. At Elk Singer. I'm gonna put. Yeah, I'll put. I'll put that in the show notes, dude. Okay. That'll be I'll cool. Appreciate that, buddy. Yeah. So, let's uh, let's hear this thing. All right, man. Um, once again, thanks for having me too, and. Uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to throw a shout out to the people that serve our country, men and women, um, and a wonderful, I appreciate story, that. wonderful story to go with it. But uh, was the guitar, did it seem too loud on the last song where I could pull away a little bit or, or what would make it? Better? No, it, it was good. It's it's uh, the when you get real close to the mic, it'll cut out a little bit. Okay. But uh, other than that, it's it's super good, man. Don't work. Don't even worry about it. All right, here we go. The colors on my hat. Cool. The colors on my hat mean as much to me as all the money and the fame on TV. You might think I'm crazy, but that's just me. Not a day goes by, I don't think about the war. 
It's buried in my head. What was I fighting for? I can't take back what I saw when I was 18. But the colors on my hat that are on my head, I'll be wearing with pride till the day I'm dead. I'll do what I want to do and live where I live. You ought to know by now, don't ever cross me. I'm a devoted man, United States Army. And I fought for your freedom and life. I hope that you can see that by the colors on my hat. By the colors on my hands. Now I don't need to be pampered or be the first in the line. I just want to be thanked for my service time. And if you think you have demons, you should see mine. They're around every Sunday through every Friday night. I smoke them out the way some and I drink them out of sight. I carry all those memories on my back. Like the colors on my hat that are on my head. I'll be wearing with pride to the day I'm dead. I'll do what I want to do. I'll live where I live. Yeah, you ought to know by now, don't you ever cross me. I'm a devoted man, United States Army. I fought for your freedom and life. I hope that you can see that by the colors on my hand. Like the colors on my head. Now the colors on my head should mean as much to you as you stand here and smile with the freedom to choose your destiny in life, your kids and your wife. Yeah, I fought for that. Like the colors on my head. Colors on my hat were brown and black. Yeah. And the last song I played was on a Hank soundtrack. Colors on my hat. God damn, man, that was a, that was fantastic. Thank you. I, I like I I don't I don't get a lot of songs that 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 kind of stuff is what that that'll bring me to tears, man. I appreciate you playing that. Um, man, that super important song right there. Uh, 
You're a good songwriter, man. You're a really Thanks. good songwriter. And, and I, I, I respect a good songwriter. Uh, I, f- I feel like, I feel like a good songwriter is somebody that can, you know, really dig deep into their soul and, and, and make something happen like that. And it's just, gosh, what a great song, dude. Thank great you. job. I appreciate great it. Great job. Thank no, you, I appreciate you. And, and, uh, gosh, Tony, thanks for, thanks for coming on the show. I'm not kidding you when I say, uh, let's, let's do some hunting okay. next year. Uh, we got, we got elk season 2021 to look forward to. If, if you want to come on out and, uh, let's share a camp, we'll, we'll play some music around the fire and, and, uh, you guys listening out there, if you want to, if you want to jump on within the show notes and find some of these songs, uh, Tony's a, a guy that's worth supporting and, uh, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you did, uh, jump on bulldownproductions.com. You can find this music. You can find all sorts of cool t-shirts and hats and, uh, Tony, again, thanks for coming on, man. This was awesome. Thanks for having me, buddy. I love what you stand for. Love your shows. Uh, I, yeah, I, I wish nothing but uh, giant stuff for you and what you do with your podcast, man. It's awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Well, let's let's keep in touch. We'll get you back on uh, hopefully this winter or something, huh? Absolutely. Anytime, buddy. I'm in anytime. Sounds good. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll keep in touch. And and uh, gosh, thanks for sharing that song, man. I, I'm uh, I'm 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 half speechless here. So uh, it doesn't happen very much for me. So I, I talk way too much, but I appreciate it. And, and uh, <laughs> thanks again. We'll talk soon. We're going to be sharing a whiskey drink on the next one, for sure. For <laughs> sure. <laughs> All right, brother. made it all the way to the end thank you so much for tuning into the show we sure appreciate your support this is jim huntsman signing off and reminding you to check us out at instagram at the western huntsman and on facebook at the western huntsman and you can also check out the website at thewesternhuntsman.com thanks again we'll see you guys next time stay western and i'll see you on the mountain